Welcome to the Behavior Grooves Podcast. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. We interview interesting people in order to unlock insights into behavioral science and how we apply them to work and life, usually... Usually, usually, but not today. No, today, this episode is our second grooving session where Tim and I get the chance to groove on a single topic. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. (laughs) We can't make it if it does. All right, Tim. So what is our topic of conversation going to surround today? Lessons learned. Lessons learned. So yeah, yeah. Math lessons. Are we talking <laughs> algebraic equations? You know, uh, the nature of the universe. What? What are? What lessons are we learning? We are learning how we, we're learning from our lessons. We're going to share lessons that you and I have learned with listeners about how to apply behavioral sciences. At work, in the workplace, basically. Wow. How about that? Yeah, that's assuming that we actually have learned anything. Well, we've learned something. We've been doing this for 20 years, so we've got some observations to share. Uh, Some of it's scientific, some of it's anecdotal, but we've got some tips. Right. And so to start off, so what would be if a person was trying to implement a behavioral science uh, project, something where they are looking at this uh, from the perspective of behavioral science. How do they go about doing that? What is, what's the first lesson that we can apply here? Well, I think the first thing to start with is start with a business problem. Okay. Start with a problem to solve. Start with some issue that has something to do with people, right? That's behavioral, behaviorally based. I mean, if it's just then the machine isn't working, fix the machine. But if it's a, if it's a question of people, then then there's probably a behavioral issue. It, and that goes even into sometimes those machine-type questions, however, because if the interaction with that machine or the output of that machine requires a, a human interaction, a human interpretation that can actually have some behavioral components with it. It absolutely can. All right. It absolutely can. So, so lesson number one, make sure that you, know, you can apply this as, as long as there is a behavioral or a human component that is being involved. Yeah, to a, to a business problem. To a business problem. That's an important part. I, I think so. Would, would you, uh, are there any areas where you think that it shouldn't apply or wouldn't apply? Do you think there's any places where behavioral sciences really don't have a place? That's a, it's an interesting question um, because to that degree, as long as there is a human component within there, there is a behavioral aspect to it that you could apply some of the insights and some of the science around human behavior and human uh, you know, mindset, et cetera, that we talk about uh, along that. So are there any... Uh, lines that you just don't want to cross in that in that area there might be some hr legal components where i think there might be a legal issue of of doing things it gets into i think some of the conversations we've had before between you know a nudge and a shove with christina Graver right and some of those components so yeah as long as uh, I, I like Cass sunstein in his component when he's talking about a nudge you know nudge for good Right. And as long as you are applying these behavioral science insights for good, um, then I think that that is pretty wide open. 
Okay, so let's talk about an example. Give us give us an example of of where behavioral insight worked really well with a client. So. I think it's worked well in, in a number of instances. Um, I think there are some components. I'm not going to talk, I think, about specific uh, projects or outcomes. I think, I think more importantly is the process, right? So oh, what yeah. is the process that makes it successful? Could, could uh, you lean more in more on the P's just so that we make sure we get lots of P on the process? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sound Technician, I will, of course... Perform no, on no, no, my no, no, no more. perfect <laughs> part of. I can't think of peace. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You want, you want to talk about process? So that's, that's and that, that's a good, that's where we should go. That's a good thing. Process. So in in understanding what makes a successful initiative, at least the ones that I've worked on, and we can talk about some of the ones that you've worked on. One thing that I have found is. It is much more successful when the people that you're working with believe that behavioral science is important and that there, is, there are insights from behavioral science that can be applied that are more than just what you would typically get from a regular business analyst kind of approach to to the solution. So we don't want to do business with, we don't want to try something uh, at work with behavioral science haters, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Not even haters, right? I think there are a couple components. It's it's behavioral science doubters, right? Fair enough. Those people who doubt the validity or really you're telling me that by changing a word in this email communication, I'm going to drive different behaviors on this. I don't buy that right to to that to people who are just ambivalent about it. Right. Eh, It's not a big deal. It it Uh, might also be cultural. It could be as big as a cultural thing. It could be, you know, it could be, I think, I think that is an important aspect. The other aspect, at least in the work that I've seen, uh, is the need to not only work directly with those people who are believers, but at some level going up to their boss and maybe their boss's boss, mm-hmm. trying to make sure that you have at least tactile um, buy-in. Is tactile yeah. is probably the wrong word. I, I don't know, but it, but it, it sounded interesting. <laughs> I, well, yeah. It wasn't a P word. Well, so. in fact, I, I'd go so far as to say the higher up the chain in terms of roles in the company that there is buy-off and support. Support right? is very important. That that makes a big difference. We've worked in, in on projects that were kind of rogue uh, in um, at, at a certain level of the organization, but the president and the CFO bought off on it. Right. We did so... so Tim is referring to a project we worked on a number of years ago, a large pharmaceutical organization where we were brought in. The Our sponsor, the, the main client that we had, had bought off on this. But the organization was already moving towards that. They had read Dan Pink uh, Drive, which has a number of flaws in it, in which Tim and I we can go on for hours and hours, hours, and hours about the flaws in that book. But uh, not now. But not now. But... Where I always talk about is it opened the door because the executives, it it kind of tapped into maybe a component of their thinking that they weren't thinking about earlier. So 
it, it opened their eyes to some behavioral science insights. And so when we were going in, we were working with our sponsor, we actually had uh, that sponsor put together a half-day session with senior leadership. Right. And we spent a half-day with senior leadership from the CEO or president of, of the organization, the CFO, uh, all of the VPs that from HR to sales to every other yeah, component the, within the there. The entire leadership team. And we spent a half day going over behavioral science and how you can apply behavioral science to work. And in per- particular, this was around some reward programs and various different pieces. And so it was focused on that, but it was the larger and bringing in some behavioral economic principles and biases and heuristics and various different pieces and getting them to to sign off on it. Now, in that situation, the president had had been interested in it. The CFO was a he was a doubter, doubter yeah, <laughs> uh, un, right. until that session. Uh, and because we were able to bring in some of these uh, components and and talk to everybody around that, and and the CFO realized oh, I can actually make some of these changes at a very low cost from the perspective of how much uh, an intervention is going to cost and the changes that are applied to this. And the output on this is humongous. He then bought in really quickly. Yeah. And so I think uh, a tip there is get that leadership on board, but understand how that leadership views their business role and you need to change the way that you talk about behavioral science uh, in order to accommodate the different business roles so you're talking to a cfo differently than you're talking to a vp of hr as you're talking to a difference of somebody from marketing or sales well it's kind of this which actually goes back to behavioral sciences right yes that we we speak to different audiences differently because of their innate, the way that their mind is, uh, it's going to process determined, it, yeah. pre, you know, primed to look for certain things based on their role and their self identity with that role. Yeah. Kurt, what's the next tip? So one of the things I think that people can do is to start small, right? This is not, uh, the world where you come in and you solve world hunger at your organization, uh, from a behavioral science perspective, particularly if you have not brought that viewpoint into the organization before and you don't necessarily have full leadership buy-off and different things. So you start small. You start at a level. uh, It could be around some simple communication components. It could be a very simple, maybe it's a three-month incentive or spiff that you're trying to drive certain behaviors. Uh, Whatever that would be, start small. And if at all possible, do some sort of testing. Have a control group versus a, uh, a test, test group. group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think about uh, a, there's a small nonprofit organization that uh, recently came to me with this very issue. Uh, th- one of the guys believed that there was uh, a way of improving the success rate around, um, around phone calls and okay. dealing with customer service simply by taking the huge annoying ring off the phones because it, when, whenever there was a customer service call there was this big huge ring and he said I think that it's really annoying and he said 
I think that it, it puts everybody in kind of a bad mood as soon as they hear that. And then they, they're kind of grumpily picking up the phone. Or, yeah, yeah, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I said, well, you gotta, you just gotta test it. You gotta try some shifts with it on and some shifts with it off and, and then measure. And he, of course, guess what? He had a hard time convincing the boss that this was a big deal. They had this institutionalized because they wanted to make sure everybody in the whole area heard it. Right. And that was in, a, that was in an age when technology was limited to big rings. And now everyone's wearing a headset. They actually don't need this big ring sound. So, interesting. Yeah, so it, w- it, w- it was really interesting. So he's in the, he's in the middle of, of, of testing that right now. So it, we don't know the results. Right, and what we find or what I found is that often it's very difficult to convince the big boss or whoever holds the power within an organization <laughs> to do a test. Um, one thing that I'm starting to try, uh, and I, we got it from Michael Ahorn um, when he was talking about you know, oh, yeah. doing yeah, the, this. The, the marketing that you would always test if you do a multi-million dollar marketing, but when you do sales incentives, you don't. And he mentioned something about just renaming it, calling it a pilot. Call it a pilot. So yes, pilot, everybody is okay with a pilot. A pilot's a small little thing that's going on and we can do it. Well, you can take a pilot and compare it to your control group <laughs> and thus right. you have done a test. You that- just need to reframe how people think about it. So the test doesn't have to be huge. No. Right? This could be on a department level. This could be pretty modest in size, right? Yeah. And even if the test to the degree that you can't get a control group, can you do a pre and post intervention assessment? Can you do something where uh, prior to this, our satisfaction level as a team was X, post intervention, our satisfaction level was X plus Y. And now there's issues with that, right? Because there are a number of confounding factors that could be playing into that, a number of different pieces. But if there's a strong correlation, it's usually pretty good. And you can then bring that to senior management to yeah. convince them to do more of these types yeah, of things. Yeah, we're not living in laboratories. No. Right? Business has to keep keep going. Communication has to keep going. People are getting up and doing their jobs every day. And interrupting that can be difficult. So we're not looking for to replicate lab-style uh, perfection. But even as you suggested, doing a pre and post can, or, or phase one, phase two, can be helpful. There can be some insights that come from that. And with that, I think, I don't know if this is part of this hint or a tip, or if it's a separate one, make sure you're measuring. Yeah. Make sure that you aren't doing a behavioral intervention and then just letting that go. Even if you don't do a pre uh, assessment, make sure you're measuring on the back end uh, and make sure that you are doing that with the appropriate measures. So uh, uh, yeah. What do you mean by appropriate? It's a really good question. So if you are measuring the impact that a new communication. So for instance, say you introduced uh, uh, an infographic uh, because you're realizing you're bringing in some behavioral science on visualization and various different pieces of how people process information. So you're taking what used to be a 20-page pamphlet and you're condensing (laughs) it down into a uh, one-page infographic to, to overview that. 
you can measure how people feel about the infographic and do they like it? You know, that smiley face component. How well they retain the information. The, but the, the fact of the matter is, is, is you, you want to actually measure about the retaining of information. You want, to under, you want to measure the understanding. I don't really care if they like the infographic or not. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's where we run into issues. And it's the same thing oftentimes in meetings and different things. It's like, how well did you like, you know, the the meeting? Was it, you know, did you feel Ooh, welcome? It was so fun. It, it, feelings are important, but in the end, what we're looking for is the change in a business outcome that you're trying to drive. Which leads to the next tip, which is live by the results. If you're gonna do a pilot, if you're gonna run a test, live by the results. And you have a interesting story about this, oh, don't you? Man, you know, this was um, back in, uh, right after the, uh, actually in the darkest days of the recession, I got to do a project with uh, Dan Ariely and Victoria Schaefer. Um, and with uh, the company that I was with at the time, we had a, had a big telco client that was consistently using cash for the spiffs in their call centers. Okay. And, and so the, the idea was, well, is there something that could be more effective at motivating the reps in, the, um, in these call centers to perform at a higher level? And uh, so we, we suggested they test uh, merchandise, we, we, and literally, literally like bicycles and crockpots and, uh, um, you know, umbrellas and things like this. So n- not hugely sexy stuff, right? They only had like 60, 120 and $240 to spend on, on each of the, these tiers of rewards. And, uh, and so Dan and Victoria and I designed uh, this, this uh, 30-day uh, intervention where we had four call centers uh, doing specific things around uh, cash, getting incremental extra cash, and then a, a group of call centers that were getting um, binoculars and umbrellas and things like this. Upon achievement, this wasn't just recognition. It wasn't just getting dropped off at your desk. This was only you, you had to earn it. Okay. Uh, and all the, all the non-monetary rewards were equivalent to the, to the cash rewards. Okay. And so it was an equivalent economic value for it, each of these. Exactly. And under, under Dan's uh, you know, supervision, we put together something that was as close to a lab test as we could get. And at the end, we discovered, wow, the, the results were tremendous. The, the people that got binoculars and slow cookers and things like that, they way outperformed the people that got more money. Even though the, the, the monetary value was the same, right. they performed like 47% better. It was huge. And, um, and so Dan and, and Victoria and I are kind of doing the high fives, you know, on our, on our, on our summary call. And we're like, oh, this is going to be so great. We're going to go back to the client and share these really great results. And then we, we get on the, on, the, on the call with the client and, and the client listens to the, the whole story and, and they, they listen to the results. And then at the end, they just, they said, oh, uh, didn't we tell you that we're, we're kind of a cash culture? <laughs> it's like... Why did we do the test in the first place? Well, it's be, probably because some salesperson was really effective at, you know, persuading them to do the test. But, but in the end, culture overrules. Right. So uh, I don't know. I, I I would be reticent to recommend someone uh, 
go into a culture or, or if they're working in a culture that is really adverse, kind of getting back to your buy-in, if the culture is adverse to the idea of testing or piloting or using behavioral sciences in any way, or or the outcome that you're trying to to trying to convince, achieve, right? So yeah. the the component, I think, the cash versus non-cash, there can be distinct camps in an organization, and if that non-cash camp or the cash camp is so huge that regardless of the results, right? If it would have turned around and the cash would have been a better motivator, the organization that you worked with would have been all over it. They would have, because their bias, it would have served their because biases. Because their bias was already there. Yeah. So we have to understand that component and live with the results. And I think that goes back into, again, this might be a separate tip or it might be part of this, is we need to understand that our own biases come into play in this. And so yes. if we're doing a intervention or a test or somehow trying to apply these behavioral science insights because we want to prove that we're right, A, that you may be designing something that is going to have some inherent flaws in it so that you get the result that you want. But B, you might have you know, confirmation bias in looking at the results and only looking at those factors of the results that confirm your pre-held beliefs. And that's a really hard thing to understand and that, to, to, but, to get at your own bias. But that's never happened to me. I, <laughs> I, I don't have any biases. When you it are the perfect <laughs> human specimen that has bias-free. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, which uh, is part of the reason. Right. And I'll, I'll use a little plug for potentially bringing in somebody from the outside. Yes. Right? And bringing yeah. in somebody like you or, or myself. More likely you, since you're the perfect specimen of unbiased uh, components. I, well, I am flawed. I, I have my own biases on this. Right now, I, at this very moment, I am. But the because you have an outside uh, perspective that isn't necessarily wired to one camp or the other within an organization, the design of whatever the intervention would be, whatever that pilot or test is hopefully going to be more robust and uh, not not tilted in one direction yeah, hopefully, or another. Hopefully someone coming in from the outside will be uh, more objective, right? Uh, ideally. At the same time, what we're trying to do in this podcast is encourage people to apply behavioral sciences in their in their work. Yes, and uh, and through through these tips, we hope that you're you're coming away with something that is usable. Yes, and um, you don't have to bring in Tim or me or somebody like us. You can do this yourself. Be aware of yourself. So know thyself uh, when you're going into that. Wow, that's <laughs> that's very. Was was it Plato or Socrates? Now I'm I'm having oh you yeah know, whoever what, it was some it was old one guy. of those Greek <laughs> you know gentlemen who who did that. Okay, so should we recap the, the tips? If we can, I'm I'm gonna have a hard time remembering <laughs> what tip number one was. Something around start, business problem with a human component. Start with a business problem with a, with a, with a behavioral component. The second was pay attention to the process. Stay, pay attention to the process. Very right, good. Right. Uh, the, the third one is uh, start small and run a test. Okay. What so, about buying into behavioral science, making sure we had 
That, uh, that was 2B, and I skipped over 2B. <laughs> <laughs> so out of order, but it doesn't really matter. Oh, I think I was really loud there. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, make sure. Okay, but no, let's reiterate that. You've got to have support within the organization to try something like this. And to try be open to a behavioral science component and why that's important. Yes. And so work with your your leaders in making sure that they're buying into that. And you right. can do that by, you know, sending them articles, you know, introducing them to this podcast, uh, yeah. doing other things around, giving them books. And again, to, to that point, you know, Dan Ariely's book is fantastic to, to start people on. Predictably Irrational. Um, but even Dan Pink in his Drive book, which we have our problems with, whatever book it is, but that can often lend itself into shifting of one's mindset. And so that's a, a way of doing that. Yeah. All right. So we moved on to after... Run a pilot. Run a pilot. Uh, start small. Start small. And then... Uh, live and by those results. Live by the results. Was that the... I think that was the last one. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> we probably should have written these down, do you think? That's not what a grooving session is about. I know. <laughs> this is just us sitting here grooving, talking. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Well, thanks for listening. And we want to do more of these. And as part of that, we're asking you, our listeners, uh, we want to do another grooving session where we're actually responding to your questions and responding to uh, maybe some of your experiences. So if you have an experience about applying behavioral science at work or in life, uh, or you have questions about how to apply behavioral science in at work or in at life, right. send those to us. Uh, you Go can to the behavioralgrooves.com uh, uh, website, behavioralgrooves.com website. And there's a form there and you can fill that in and uh, that'll shoot us a note. And what we will do from that is in the future, some few months down the road, we will do another session where we will take those questions. We will respond to those questions. We might call you uh -oh. uh, and get you on the podcast. If you want to be world famous in the 74 countries we are now in, um, to all one amazing. person in each country <laughs> that listens to this. That would be great. Would be but great. We, we might reach out to you. And, 15 uh, minutes of fame. Yes. And uh, we would love to hear from you. And so with that, uh, leave us a comment. Go out and do it now. Right. Don't yeah. leave it till tomorrow. Yeah. You have some thought in your head that's going on. Wow. I, I wish these guys would talk about this or wow, I had this experience in my life and it would be a great story. Go out there now, behavioralgrooves.com, enter in the form or in the show notes of this one if that's too hard for you to go out to a <laughs> separate website. That's okay too. All right. uh, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening and rate us high on your podcast services if you so, like, if you so want to. Yeah, yeah. All right. Adios. Adios.